Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. I'm Grayson. I'm Grayson. Grayson season fire. Ah, we have to go back. Uh, and we are reviewing the 2003 live-action animated movie appropriately titled Looney Tunes colon Back in Action. Mm, back in live action. That's right. Ah. Yes. The last time you probably remember seeing the Looney Tunes in action was the 1996 iconic piece of cinema. Like, it needs to be in the Criterion Collection of movies space jam uh one of my favorite movies and this is the in fact the next time that the looney tunes do um make their way to the silver screen but it is not a sequel uh to space jam despite what even the movie would have you believe Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh but we are going to first start as any good place to start and that is the beginning so the origins of this movie actually date back to before space jam so we have director joe dante in the early 90s he wanted to produce a biographical comedy with hbo called termite terrace it centered around chuck jones's early years at warner brothers in the 1930s and he offered the project to warner brothers and they said oh it looks like an old story it's got period stuff in it we don't want to do that we want to rebrand our characters. We want to do Space Jam. Um, and that was uh, Wacko Warner because, oh, you know, they I talked see. to Warner Brothers. So many obscure references. <laughs> uh, and so that was Joe Dante's idea. And then they made Space Jam. And Space Jam came out. It was this huge success. And so they said, let's make another movie. And so, like, almost immediately after Space Jam was released, they were like, let's make a sequel. And so development began on Space Jam 2. And it was going to be a new basketball competition between the Looney Tunes and a new villain named Berserko. And uh, Joe Pitka would return to direct, and Spike Brandt and Tony uh, Cervone signed on as the animation supervisors. However, because Space Jam was supposed to be just a one-time movie, uh, Michael Jordan did not sign on to do multiple movies, uh, and he did not agree to star in a sequel. Mm. And according to Camp, a producer lied to design artists claiming that Jordan had signed on uh, just to keep development going, and Warner Brothers at the time eventually canceled plans for Space Jam 2. Oh, because when Michael Jordan finishes doing a thing that he is <laughs> celebrated for, he never goes back to it. I'm done. I You're will done. never. You're done. I never go back to it. That's crazy that they would just lie and be like, yeah, no, he's it. It feels like the room. Uh, <laughs> just get yeah. the thing close uh-huh. to being made and they'll respect the work. Yeah. Not always. Not always. Yeah. And so Space Jam 2 was, you know, for the time being done. So they started working on a new project called Spy Jam. Ooh, mm. And it was planned <laughs> to oh star Jackie Chan. Uh huh. And it had a more action oriented James Bond feel to it uh, instead of spoofing sports movies. Also, at the same time, because they were just like, whatever, what industry is out there that we haven't covered yet? And Warner Brothers was playing on making a movie called Race Jam that would have starred Jeff Gordon. Uh, oh. and, and both projects were ultimately canceled. 
Uh, were they, though? Uh, they were canceled until they both got made into Looney Tunes back in action. That's where the jam comes in. They just jammed all the ideas into this movie. <laughs> they jammed everything into this movie. And so Warner Brothers eventually asked Joe Dante to direct back in action. Uh, and Joe Dante is also known most famously uh, for my childhood uh, with directing Gremlins. Mm, and he's got a great Inferno. Oh. <laughs> The best and got to check it out. Yeah, uh, it's got uh, levels. Yep. Now, rumor has it that uh, Dante uh, wanted to make this film because he actually hated Space Jam. Uh, oh. He he called it his anti Space Jam, and um, and so that's why the whole Spy Jam secret agent storyline stayed. Uh, but other things kind of were taken away. So Bugs and the rest of the Looney Tune cast, they are animated actors under contract at Warner Brothers Studio, almost like Who Framed Roger Rabbit style. Yeah, or world. like kind of the Muppet movie kind of feel as well. Exactly. It's like these yeah. characters who they are actors mm -hmm. uh, with contracts. Yeah. Right. Um, and so... Uh, Dante actually talked about the film. He said, it's a gag fest, not having a particularly strong story. It just goes from gag to gag and location to location. It's not a particularly compelling narrative, but of course, that's not where the charm of the movie is supposed to lie. Uh, because Dante is a huge Looney Tunes fan. I mean, he wanted to make that HBO series about Chuck Jones uh, in the 30s. And so um, he wanted to do a tribute to Looney Tunes and uh, the legacy that they had. But he was, according to interviews and just what people say about this movie, uh, really not given a lot of creative freedom. And so he kind of just made the movie that the studios wanted him to make. Because at this point in time, um, after the success of Space Jam, Looney Tunes as a franchise and the property that Warner Brothers has access to like had a huge boom um, and they were trying to make more properties that had Looney Tune characters as a focus. Uh, Looney Tunes back in action was supposed to be the live action, like Renaissance uh, for Looney Tunes. They were going to go forward with several animated series. They were going to go forward with uh, new Looney Tune shorts that were actually going to play before different Warner brother movies. Mm. Um, but the movie did not do as well as it was expected to with a budget of $80 million, it went on to gross $68 million worldwide. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people give this movie uh, a lot of flack because it didn't do well because of the merit of the movie. But let me tell you some other movies that were released around the same time. Originally, it was uh, slated to have a July release, but it was shelved after Finding Nemo became such a hit in 2003. And then it was released for November, uh, but it opened just after Disney's Brother Bear, uh, Elf, and just before the Cat in the Hat movie, and the Lord of the Rings, not in the rings, and the Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. So That's tough competition. Yeah, that's uh, those aren't great odds, as yeah. they would say. Uh, and so the movie did not do well. 
and so it also kind of fizzled out a bunch of uh, Looney Tune properties that were going to be released. Uh, but it did not stop the video game that was made after this movie. Mm. And I did a surprising amount of research on that video game, which actually has a really solid storyline. I think that would have the video game narrative would have been a stronger choice for this movie. But we'll get to that later. Uh, but th despite this movie not doing as well as Space Jam, um, a lot of fans really love this. Uh, and it kind of became a cult favorite among people who are big Looney Tunes fans. Uh, they say that it brings the characters back to their roots. Uh, and it is really Warner Brothers' lack of promoting this film that was uh, its downfall. And so that is... The history, a little bit, a very brief history going to the making of Looney Tunes back in action. And this was, surprisingly, this is my first time watching this movie. That is surprising, especially since I know people can't see you right now, but you are wearing a Space Jam hat and you got the Toon Squad hoodie going and everything. Uh, so I know how much you love Space Jam. I would think that anything following up that in any way, you would have been all over. So that... That is surprising. In a lot of ways, too. Well, yeah, it didn't do very well, like you were saying in the research, but it did get, you know, like a 10 different nominations for different animation awards. So I think the people who did see it uh, could see that a lot of animation work went into it. And how we talked about, like, bumping the lamp with Who Framed Roger Rabbit, they do a lot of stuff that's really above and beyond. And I guess the equivalent would be like bumping the Alfa Romeo, but they they really go all out. And I, I was really impressed that they were able to get at in 2003 to get this simulated 3D look with 2D live action because really it they've shaded 2D drawings in a way to make it appear 3D, whereas if it was made today, it would just be all 3D rendered characters and stuff like like Sonic, like that kind of thing. Right. Um, and so I was really impressed with where it hit in that transition. Um, they weren't going to compete with Nemo. Uh, so instead, just keep it 2D and make a joke about Nemo. And they, I don't know, it felt like them. I, I'm curious as to how it would have played if it would have been kind of like uncanny valley if they had just gone full 3d at that time for the characters um kind of like what they did with charlie brown whenever they brought him back uh you know they had these 3d rendered made to kind of feel like 2d but right all that being said i didn't even know this movie existed um until netflix pushed it in front of me yes. and we decided to do this uh, which also is surprising because I was a massive Looney Tunes fan when I was a kid. Yeah. They're very influential in making me want to, uh, you know, uh, pursue cartooning and animation and all of these different endeavors. And uh, I mean, I had a binder when I was a kid that had profiles of each of the Looney Tunes that I had printed out and filled in, and I like I just loved the characters. So seeing mm -hmm. this movie. I agree, really goes back to the character roots, and I feel like the foundations of who these characters are is represented uh, very well. I, what I really enjoyed about it was that conflict it has with modern audiences. So it totally makes sense that it wouldn't do well because it's basically saying, hey, we're classics, 
and you keep trying to change us, but we don't fit into whatever you're trying to sell right now. But looking back on this movie, um, I mean, I really just wanted, like when it's, I was pleasantly surprised when it started with a classic Looney Tune cartoon. I was like, oh, this is not what I thought it was going to be. And I really loved that part. So I'm glad we got to see this for the first time together. What I'm going to do, I'm just going to preface this now. Um, I did not particularly enjoy this movie. That being said, after doing the research, I see so much of what the movie could have been. So the things I'm going to be saying are things that I think uh, could have helped this specific movie. Mm-hmm. Just to know, because we think that every movie is a miracle, especially this one, because it sounds like they just had uh, what too many animators. Is is that the? I guess you can never have too many animators. Too many They're... ideas for the story. Yeah. Yes. You know... Yeah, like that makes sense. <laughs> you you just, saying they wanted to make a racing one and like a spy movie and cram it all together in there. Man, uh, and so that being said, I, I when you brought up the Muppets, that was exactly what I was telling my wife about this movie. I'm just like the Looney Tunes are like the Muppets, um, and we can either focus on them, um, either being character like. S- Figuring out the world of the uh, Looney Tunes and like how they live their normal everyday life, as well as what productions they're putting on. Uh, and I think that this movie could have been a really good movie if they did like the Looney Tunes. Like Bugs Bunny is um, a hair danger um, <laughs> in this uh, Spy Hard movie. And basically he plays a character. He's Bugs Bunny playing a character because they've done this animated. Um, mm-hmm. They've done uh, Bah Humduck, uh, a uh, Looney Tunes uh, version of the Christmas story. And only the Looney Tunes would try to do this property. Carrot Blanca. The Looney Tunes did <laughs> a Casablanca animated movie called Carrot Blanca in 1995 and it only the looney tunes could do that and so i'm just like i i know what and it was amazing i was just like because who parodies Casablanca, the looney tunes and it was only an eight minute short but it was amazing and so i think the challenge with this specific movie is that they didn't know what movie they want to make. And there are several times where it felt like the Looney Tunes were playing backseat to their own movie, whereas mm-hmm. Space Jam was Michael Jordan's story and the Looney Tunes story intersecting. Um, right. and they And they went into each other's worlds, um, and rules were different, and things were... like I just think that Space Jam, um, as bizarre of a concept as it is, uh, knew what it was, and I don't think that this movie knew what it wanted to be. I feel like uh, at, well, at part there are parts in this movie, and we haven't even talked about the cast yet. A phenomenal cast. You have Steve Martin, Timothy Dalton, Jenna Elfman, Brendan Fraser. I mean, all these people who I could imagine would have just jumped at the chance to be in a Looney Tunes movie. Uh, Steve Martin, I don't think anyone is having more fun than Steve Martin at any point in time in the movie. Uh, played like the head of Acme. It was just, I I don't think that um, they, I, I don't think the movie's fault is 
anyone who was involved in the project, especially in front of the camera or even behind. I just think it just became a victim of uh, Space Jam Shadow and trying to yeah. like relaunch and try to do the same but different without uh, really focusing on the core property that you had, which is the Looney Tunes. And so uh, yeah. I, I just think that the movie could have benefited from being one or the other. Like, I think that I think it could have been a Who Framed Roger Rabbit style uh, spy movie. Like you already had like the noir mystery, but I think they should have focused on. I want to see Spy Jam like to this day. <laughs> bring Jackie Chan like out of retirement uh, and just have him do it or i want someone to do a fan edit of the tuxedo and just put the looney tunes in that movie um yeah and just make it happen please because i i think that that sounds great because i think in the world of um all those parody movies that came out in the early aughts like uh the movie movies the date movie scary movie disaster movies like i think there's room for like the looney tune style of movie parodies uh, this could have easily been their great Muppet caper. Uh, and I and I would have loved to see that, like the Looney Tunes interacting in this kind of movie. And that I think that's overall what I wanted more from this movie is that it could have been one or the other. Yeah, no, I um, I ag- agree with all that. I also think those part of the weird deal and the reason the studio talent story works for Who Framed Roger Rabbit and works for Muppets is because those were unique to those studios. The problem with this one in the WB space is we already know that story through Animaniacs, and that's theirs. So when I was watching, I was like, I really just want this to be like an Animaniacs movie at a certain point, Um, but I'm jumping the... uh, the deflated gun way too quickly favorite scene though was when they were running through all the paintings um because i'll just say this from like a character design perspective there it's that whole sequence is just a testament to how well designed the looney tunes are because they represent in all of those different styles and i was like this is just super strong uh, yeah. So there's a lot of really fun exploration. I feel like the people who made this love Looney Tunes. Um, it just was a weird way to relaunch them, to get them right. out there. And it's, it's you know, really sad that there were so many, uh, you know, projects that got canceled because this one didn't do as well. I would love to see those. And, yeah, I would love to see Spy Jam. I'd even love to see Race Jam. Um, I, yeah. I think that sounds like a, like cars mixed with Looney Tunes, I think would be great. There's so many Looney Tunes shorts where they're just racing each other. Um, and it would be a lot of fun. Listen, someone just re-edit Fast Five to make <laughs> it Race Jam. And, um, and I think we have a, I think we have a big check on our hands. Yeah, no, we just have Gonzalez in 60 seconds. <laughs> love it i mean and 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 i brought up the video game um Mm -hmm. and this storyline kind of follows i think what an early draft of the movie was supposed to be because the video game kind of opener is daffy duck is pitching uh a batman like lead and it's him wearing like cartoon daffy duck uh batman outfit Mm -hmm. and then the studio exec is like, well, Daffy, you're not really a leading man type. And he's holding like this prop diamond that 
he was doing in his act out. He's like, ah, I waste all this money on this prop diamond. And then the exec was like, wait, that's the real blue monkey diamond. I'm going to take it. And then he turns out to be uh, Steve Martin's character as the head of Acme. He's like, uh, if I first infiltrated Warner Brothers uh, as a company that made our company's name, Acme, look like we make bad stuff. And they were ven- they're trying to get vengeance on Warner Brothers uh, mm. so that they can obtain the diamond and then, you know, basically do whatever that storyline was for that. Uh, and I was like, wait a second. So th- it's just Bugs Bunny and Daffy going on an adventure to prevent uh, basically the future of all of their shorts being made. Uh, and so they had to go through all these worlds to get the Blue Monkey Diamond. I'm like... You were we were so close to that. I would have I would have loved to see that. Those are pretty clear cut stakes. Yeah. And uh I don't know. The another thing I want to say about this movie that I I I do have to give it credit for. Like th- this movie is like I feel like would have been really great episodes of Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> <laughs> just like there's so many scenes where they're just talking about the Hollywood uh, business, uh, I guess what they call it for short is probably showbiz. Uh, but they just talk about it'd be like drawn tourage. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Circle with a C. Circle with a C. Drawn tourage. I love it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, th- there are so many funny moments in this movie, and there are so many uh, like scenes. I'm like, this is so great. But it just as a as a whole movie, it just can be a little disjointed and just I just want it more for it. It's like it's like watching a is this how, is this what it's like to watch sports? I don't know. You watch sports, you want your team to do well and then they don't and you're like, ah, maybe next game. Yeah, you get sports. Oh, okay, cool. That yeah. is sports. <laughs> that, that's Those are sports. Um I yeah, no, I get that. I think this movie also though uh was able to wrinkle my brain in a way that I don't think I felt since I saw Inception for the first time. Um, When Brendan Fraser is talking about Brendan Fraser in the Mummy movies and then meets himself. I, I understand the technology behind having a double of yourself. The reality of the world of, okay, so this security guard played by Brendan Fraser is a wannabe stunt double for... Brendan Fraser. I'm going to need to marinate on that. I'm going to need to just mull that over over the weekend. And and the other thing, the movie, it's just such an ambitious movie. Like, I I couldn't even begin to tell you, like, where the movie begins and ends because I don't even think the movie could tell you that. Uh, Because it's kind of like three movies in one. It is, and it does have a twist uh, at the end on the same level as Michael Douglas's The Game, uh, where you really just question your entire reality. Yep. Yeah. I feel like a good second take. We haven't done second take titles in a while. You're Uh, right. Good second take title, if this were like a short, would just be Contract Killer. (laughs) So. Oh, man. Yeah. I I love that. I love that so much. And there's this mo- there is a point in time in the movie, like maybe my favorite point in time of the movie is when Martin is when Steve Martin 
is in the jungle and he finally confronts uh the main team uh and he says it's not really me and then he zips he pulls from back of his head but before that he says oh i can't reach it because of my hat you know i rehearsed it without the hat and now the hat's just throwing me off <laughs> i'm just like hysterically laughing and then he finally does reach and then he unzips his whole body to be uh to become uh brendan fraser's dad uh played by timothy dalton and then he's like but it's not really me and then he zips again and he's michael jordan now now this is so very obviously Mm -hmm. just repurposed green screen footage michael jordan because mm-hmm. it's Michael Jordan holding a basketball, and he says, what? And then Bugs and Daffy look at each other like, this can't be right. And then he says, I think we should do some drills. <laughs> and it's just from the scene. And they just go, this doesn't make sense brain. anymore. <laughs> I was laughing so hard. It's maybe just my favorite scene ever in anything, just because they just... They said, let's just go for it. And it was just so ridiculous. And then he unzips and then it's back to him. I'm like, they did it. Like, that's kind of like the, the fun of this movie is like you're watching a live action cartoon, like with mm. humans being cartoon characters. And it's fun. But then at the same time, they're like, nope, this is reality. This is our real world. And Bugs Bunny and Daffy are definitely here in it. And it's like, wait a second. Like, it, it, getting whiplash i don't know what movie i'm in but i don't know it, it's uh it has a lot going on and so so many promising uh premises that i think that we'll only have to wait um maybe till 2021 to see how they address it with the tentative space jam 2 believe it when i have already seen it but that being said, uh, I have a new Acme product that I want us to try out today, Grayson. Doom, boom, 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 boom. What's that? It is head cannon. Head cannon. <laughs> or just picture me holding up a sign that says head cannon. <laughs> head cannon is a part of the show where we share a few unique ideas and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. My head cannon for this is that. Uh, this is all in the mind of Michael Jordan. Uh, <laughs> at the very end, there's an after credit scene, and I really was hoping it was just Michael Jordan waking up and saying, what was that? And I would have paid any amount of money just to see Michael Jordan just be like, did all that just happen? No. Oh. Or him just saying, I gotta stop sleeping with the cartoons on. Something like that. Yeah. Um, and then he gets out of bed and puts on football gear. <laughs> I think that that 100% would have justified Ev. I think that that is the only thing, the only thing I would change about the current Looney Tunes back in action without just making it a completely different movie. If Michael Jordan would have shown up. Oh, just at the very end of the movie. Yeah. Or like he's on an airplane and and the flight attendant's like, Mr. Jordan, we're about to land. And he's like, oh, thank you. Wakes up and then Looney Tunes is playing on his screen. Yeah. Michael Jordan dream sequence headcanon. Uh, I buy into that. I choose to believe that's what this is. Yep. Yeah. 
My headcanon is that uh, Timothy Dalton, who plays the spy, the spy daddy in this, <laughs> is uh, not actually a spy. He's a time lord. Oh, yes. um, and we've seen him in Doctor Who. He was in one of the David Tennant specials. He played Rassilon. Uh, yeah. So uh, I was like, oh, yeah, Timothy Dalton. But then the Daleks show up in Area 52, and I'm like, absolutely. Also explains why they're able to travel around everywhere so quickly. Um, they're not just jumping through quickly drawn holes in the ground. They are uh, taking the TARDIS places. So Timothy Dalton was my primary headcanon for this entire film. Yeah, I mean, the evidence is there for that. Um, I, I do like that. I also like the the idea that, um, you know, they had uh, Shaggy and Scooby uh, oh, yeah. having lunch with Matthew Lillard. Uh, it's a, just an amazing scene <laughs> of Shaggy just, like, berating him. I want to see this movie. Uh, I, I just, I, I love that just all... Okay, I'm getting into recast remake, but yeah, I my headcanon is just that like there is an extended scene where just everyone goes on the lunch break and they just start berating the live action adaptations of themselves. I would love to see Batman to Batman. Oh, that every Batman movie is actually a oh. biopic of the real Batman. Batman to Batman. I would I would pay a ridiculous. I would re. I would I would get a second mortgage for my house just to listen to Michael Keaton interview everyone else who has ever played Batman. I would. Well, I, let's get the bank on the phone. We'll let's... see. <laughs> Hello. You want to do what for why? <laughs> All right. Now we're going to go to the part of the show where we like to talk about recast and remakes. Recast. Remake. If this movie were to be made today, who would you cast? What would the storyline be? And now we have arrived to the point in time in the show where I have collected the most amount of notes. Grayson, I want to mm. see every single pitch that this that went on to make this movie. I want to see Spy Hard. I want to see... Uh, sorry, not Spy Hard. Uh, <laughs> that's someone else's property. I want to see Spy Jam and Race Jam because it just needs to be made. Like, I think the Looney Tune. I want to see the Looney Tune movie tune uh i want to see the looney tune equivalent of the muppets where um every third movie or so is about just the looney tunes and like what's going on in their world and like what they're trying to do as like a collection of characters as well as movies that they are making mm -hmm. uh and so i want to see um like that that pitch that they have is just like ah. Uh, was it Lethal Weapon Babies? Yeah, it's like finally I, my whole family can see Lethal Weapon. Like that—that that was just a throwaway gag. Where I'm like, no, let's—I want that. Let's make these movies. Let's see these shorts, or let's see the Looney Tune characters like be stars of their own movies, uh, like that. And I and and I think that that would just be so much fun. So if we were to see this specific movie, I think. Looney Tunes back in action would be basically the plot line for the Jason Siegel Muppets movie. Um, yeah. Looney mm -hmm. Tunes have been in retirement and some mega fan is trying to bring them back to the limelight. And Everything's 3D now. Grayson, that's a perfect, that's a perfect premise. Oh my gosh, Grayson. Yes. 
And they don't want us, Doc. We're relics. Yeah, we're frame by frame. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That would be so good. So back in action would be either them trying to make the jump to 3D or uh, them basically putting on a show to try to save their animation studio from being shut down. I like that. I would just love that. And I think that that would be the back in action that would put the Looney Tunes back in action. Yeah. If they were to take this script and recast it, um, we've talked on the previous episodes how much we love Brennan Frazier. Um, I think for uh, a cast today, I got a lot of Chris Pratt vibes. Um, I feel like 100%. he could really bring it, especially when they went into Indiana Jones territory. And I was like, yeah, Chris Pratt. Uh, then for Jenna Elfman's character as the VP of comedy, Stephanie Beatrice from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, yes. I think would be really great. Uh, she's hilarious. And then, uh, and those two had worked together on the Lego movie, the second part. So right. that's fun. And then yes. for Steve Martin, Steve Martin can do whatever he wants, whatever whenever he wants. he wants, wherever he wants. <laughs> However, he, he was whenceever, uh, but Nick Kroll for the recasting. Uh, yes. So, yeah, yeah that, that. that for this character, I think it would work really well. And then it makes sense to get a previous slash current Bond uh, to play that spy role. Uh, just get Daniel Craig. I mean, you would have the one who's currently playing it. Um, and I feel like he and Chris Pratt would get along um so that would be my recasting but if we were to retool the script for a back in action uh movie i would really like to say if it's a sequel to space jam tangentially i you know it's fine that you don't get michael jordan i'd make it about bill murray bill murray bill murray exists so well in that world anyway that he could just choose to stay there or whatever. And I mean, yes. I, I think that would make a lot more sense. You could call it um, uh, lost in transparencies. I don't know. It would, <laughs> he would just be there and like helping them basically acting as their agent and using all of Bill Murray's professional contacts to get them work. And that way you could do the separate ideas. You'd be like, I've worked with a lot of actors. I mean, we would, we'd be able to see, you know, Elmer Fudd in a Wes Anderson movie and Wes Anderson being like, I have a very specific way I want this delivered. Yes. Um, and it's not the way you're doing it. And I, I think that would just be uh, a great way to hit all of those ideas yeah. at once. Um, but for a totally different story as well, I, I was fascinated by the Acme aspect because yes. um, as even as a kid, I'd be like, who's making these terrible products? And the game did touch on that. But I think it would be interesting to have like a, um, I don't know, like a Josh Gad type who is low level employee at Acme who just really wants to be proud of the work that they do. And he's a big Looney Tunes fan. That's why I got into it. But he's really disillusioned by the reality of making these products. And I think that he could be the anchor behind, you know, connecting. Like he, ha if if Looney Tunes drops Acme as a client, then they're gonna go out of business. So he's like their rep, kind of a Tommy Boy feel with yeah. Acme products. I just think there's so much potential there for a really focused story that still explores all of the personalities of the Looney Tunes. 
Um, but anchoring it around one of those um, you know, key characters would really help. And they tried to do that with Brendan Fraser, I feel like, too, that he wanted to be you know, this stuntman. But when you're relaunching something so big, uh, I, I think that's why Space Jam worked is because we didn't need to be told who Michael Jordan was. And right. he also was at that legendary level as the Looney Tunes, they could hang together. Um, so that's why I, I lean towards the Bill Murray um, one. And maybe maybe Bill Murray, it, it works for Acme. I don't know. I'm combining ideas just like they did. So yeah. I, I understand how anyone could be pulled into it. But I just think there's so much. And it doesn't have to even be a remake of this. Looney Tunes live on forever. You can relaunch them every several years i mean it's been what 17 years since this movie came out so they're ready for it i think acme being the villain is such a strong choice mm-hmm. uh, and the idea that acme uh is like vindicated they're just like for years looney tunes the merry melodies have uh slain the name of acme and today we are going to get our vengeance um, either by, by basically I would love to see if they basically pulled like a producers uh, for Looney Tunes where basically uh, someone is trying to ruin the Looney Tunes by making uh, a really terrible movie. But it ends up being that they end up making just one of the best Looney Tunes movies <laughs> ever. Uh, that being said, I would love to get Matthew Broderick in mm here uh and jim carrey just because cable guy yeah 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 and also he is a human cartoon character so they would take his save on the animation budget just a lot of commonalities yep Mm -hmm. (laughs) all right now we're going to go into our final segment where we like to give you reasons to recommend so grayson why would you recommend looney tunes colon back in action i recommend this movie because if you love looney tunes it does play to their strengths as their core characters. Um, and what I really appreciate about this movie is that you're able to have a little bit of exploration about why the Looney Tunes aren't more popular today. Um, it's kind of, it's just a very interesting situation that they've set up. There are a lot of side conversations that explore it too, like Porky Pig talking about how he was told to lose the speech impediment and it's hard to be politically correct. And then speedy Gonzalez being like, you're telling me. So it's like, yeah, they don't all like fit in today's you know, ecosystem, entertainment ecosystem, but the struggle of trying to fit, I think is really interesting. And they do that uh, in a lot of ways. I mean, it's super meta. They've always been incredibly meta. Um, it's like a family friendly Deadpool in a lot of ways, just looking in the camera <laughs> Uh, breaking the fourth wall kind of stuff. But I recommend this movie because it's the struggle of a classic in a modern world. Um, These classic personalities trying to fit in with what we're doing today. Um, Yeah, I mean, we went on and on about the the remake potential, but I, I can't help but, you know, just continue to wonder what could have happened if this movie had done better. I would still love to see a back in action equivalent today of like the Looney Tunes, 
you know, trying to fit streaming or like cut their episodes down to Quibi, like which honestly <laughs> they started out at that length. Like there's yes. so much that they could do that is so tongue in cheek and meta and a comment on what we're doing today um, that the Looney Tunes can always be relevant to a certain degree because they hold a mirror up to what we think is funny as a society. Um, and that's what this movie does. And Brendan Fraser puts everything into this. We didn't even mention that he's also the voice of the Tasmanian devil and Mrs. Tasmanian devil. Um, he is, you know, uh, he tries to be the central core of this and he does that as an actor. I think there's just so many story elements to where we don't explore his character like we do Michael Jordan in Space Jam. So, um, and Jenna Elfman uh, is hilarious too. Steve Martin, such a bizarre, uh, committed character. And Ron Perlman is, has like one line and before he becomes a skeleton, it's just like really super bizarre. Um, But I really appreciate how the humans match the, energy of the cartoons in their performance um it's not like who framed roger rabbit in the sense that you know in that movie you have bob hoskins who's like very real um and then everyone else is wackier around him you understand how these entities work together on the wb lot um and there's just so much to explore and i'm sure that there were jokes that i Miss just because the layering is so rapid fire, so quick. It's star studded. And um, yeah, I recommend it because if you're like me, this movie came and went and you didn't even know it existed. That's the thing. I would have really liked this movie when it came out as a, I would have been a high schooler, I guess, me and like, oh yeah, I love Looney Tunes. It just didn't really get promoted. I mean, going against the, finale of lord of the rings you're gonna have a hard time you're gonna get overshadowed by finding nemo i just didn't know about it so chances are that may have happened to you as well it's on netflix so i recommend taking an hour and a half and just going along for the ride absolutely yeah because um i would recommend this movie because looney tunes if they if you grew up watching looney tunes uh in any shape way or form it's always it's like seeing a friend that you haven't seen from since high school it's like oh my gosh and i say like a close friend not just like wait a second you you sorry i should clarify maybe i should get a better example it's like seeing a friend you haven't seen since childhood someone who you have fond memories of and it's like oh man i remember how much fun that we used to have together and it's good to reconnect that's a better example uh future ricky delete the rest of the dumb things unless you're not because you realize that you want to make yourself suffer so that being said, uh, I think that the, this is that. I love seeing the Looney Tunes. Um, Grayson mentioned that there's a scene when they are just hopping from painting to painting. That's just like, this is just like they they throw a Looney Tunes short within this movie. It's like mm-hmm. it's it's almost like its own intermission uh, from like, yeah, I mean, sure, there's a plot happening here, but also here's a fun Looney Tunes cartoon and I think Duck Amuck it, it reminded me of that Duck Amuck sketch which is just like one of the greatest animations ever made uh and it's it's fun the Looney Tunes are a good time and I mean to borrow 
a quote from uh the tiny tune adventures uh theme song uh the looney tunes have been getting laughs since 19 what 23 uh so now i boggle myself now i go a teaching assassin and getting laughs since 1940 like right let me see oh my gosh why did i do this to myself all the things to just pigeonhole yourself <laughs> into weird. a specific year oh that is verifiable. Gosh. So Looney Tunes have been getting laughs since 1933, uh, and they continue to do so in several other iterations. And uh, I don't think that this is the last that we'll ever see or hear from the Looney Tunes because they're timeless. Um, and I, I think that any chance you get to see them on uh on screen, whether it be as a short, um, a television series, or even in a movie, even when I'd say they're less than great, they're still really great. And that is our review of the 2003 movie Looney Tunes colon back in action. Let us know what you remember about Looney Tunes back in action on our social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are at Flashback Flicks. It would mean so much to us if you could leave us a rating and review on your podcasting platform of choice on a scale of one to five carats. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. How, how would you rate us? Five carats? Yeah, you can. Great vision uh, if you eat all five carrots. Oh, yeah. You, X-ray vision. It'll put your eyes back in action. I don't need, I didn't need to add mm. to it. <laughs> No, no, because, you know, Daffy's eyes fall out of his head a lot. You're right. They do. Mm -hmm. And be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. Next time on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Are you bored at home with nothing to do? Don't clean up your house or even your shoe. For next time on the podcast, we have a treat. We're going to review the 2003 movie Cat in the Hat. Twiddly tweet. Oh, nice. Hashtag feline groovy. <laughs> <laughs>